We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well, did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you, which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get Incogni today for $6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Between the essential reads and the English essentials, I spend a lot of time writing scripts. Now, I could do this from home, but it's a lot nicer to get out of the house and work in a coffee shop or a cafe. I could use my phone data to check articles and research for my scripts, but that can get expensive fast. It's so much easier to use the Wi-Fi at my favourite coffee shops. Well, thanks to Surfshark VPN, I don't have to worry about public Wi-Fi networks stealing my data. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and continue working without having to worry about anyone stealing my data. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 a month on a two-year plan and work worry-free wherever you please. Hello and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck Chapter 1 To the Red Country and part of the Grey Country of Oklahoma The last rains came gently and they did not cut the scarred earth. The ploughs crossed and recrossed the rivulet marks. The last rains lifted the corn quickly and scattered weed colonies and grass along the sides of the roads so that the grey country and the dark red country began to disappear under a green cover. In the last part of May, the sky grew pale, and the clouds that had hung in the high puffs for so long in the spring were dissipated. The sun flared down on the growing corn day after day, until a line of brown spread along the edge of each green bayonet. The clouds appeared and went away, and in a while, they did not try any more. The weeds grew darker green to protect themselves, and they did not spread any more. The surface of the earth crusted a thin, hard crust. And as the sky became pale, so the earth became pale, pink in the red country and white in the grey country. In the water-cut gullies, the earth dusted down in dry little streams. Gophers and antlions started small avalanches. And as the sharp sun struck day after day, the leaves of the young corn became less stiff and erect. They bent in a curve at first, and then, as the central ribs of strength grew weak, each leaf tilted downward. Then it was June, and the sun shone more fiercely. The brown lines on the corn leaves 
widened, and moved on the central ribs. The weeds frayed, and edged back toward their roots. The air was thin, and the sky more pale, and every day the earth paled. In the roads where the teams moved, where the wheels milled the ground, and the hooves of every horse beat the ground, the dirt crust broke, and the dust formed. Every moving thing lifted dust into the air. A walking man lifted a thin layer as high as his waist, and a wagon lifted dust as high as the fence tops, and an automobile boiled a cloud behind it. The dust was long in setting back again. When June was half gone, the big clouds moved up out of Texas and the Gulf. High, heavy clouds. Rainheads. The men in the fields looked up at the clouds and sniffed at them and held wet fingers up to sense the wind. And the horses were nervous while the clouds were up. The rainheads dropped a little spattering and hurried on to some other country. Behind them, the sky was pale again and the sun flared. In the dust, there were drop craters where the rain had fallen and there were clean splashes on the corn. And that was all. A gentle wind followed the rain clouds, driving them northward. A wind that softly clashed the drying corn. A day went by, and the wind increased, steady, unbroken by gusts. The dust from the road fluffed up, and spread out, and fell on the weeds beside the fields, and fell into the fields a little way. Now the wind grew strong and hard, and it worked at the rain crust in the cornfields. Little by little, the sky was darkened by mixing the dust, and the wind felt over the earth, loosened the dust, and carried it away. The wind grew stronger. The rain crust broke, and the dust lifted up, out of the fields, and drove grey plumes into the air, like sluggish smoke. The corn threshed the wind, and made a dry, rushing sound. The finest dust did not settle back to earth now, but disappeared into the darkening sky. The wind grew stronger, whisked under stones, carried up straws and old leaves, and even little clods, making its course as it sailed across the fields. The air and the sky darkened, and through them the sun shone redly, and there was a raw sting in the air. During a night, the wind raced faster over the land, dug cunningly among the rootlets of the corn, and the corn fought the wind with its weakened leaves until the roots were freed by the prying wind, and then each stalk settled warily sideways towards the earth and pointed in the direction of the wind. The dawn came, but no day. In the grey sky, a red sun appeared, a dim red circle that gave a little light, like dusk. And as that day advanced, the dusk slipped back towards darkness, and the wind cried and whimpered over the fallen corn. Men and women huddled in their houses, and they tied handkerchiefs over their noses when they went out, and wore goggles to protect their eyes. When night came again, it was black night, 
for the stars could not pierce the dust to get down, and the window lights could not even spread beyond their own yards. Now, the dust was evenly mixed with the air, an emulsion of dust and air. Houses were shut tight, and cloth wedged around doors and windows. But the dust came in so thinly that it could not be seen in the air, and it settled like pollen on the chairs and tables, on the dishes. The people brushed it off with their shoulders. Little lines of dust lay at the door sills. In the middle of that night, the wind passed on and left the land quiet. The dust-filled air muffled sound more completely than fog does. The people, lying in their beds, heard the wind stop. They awakened when the rushing wind was gone. They lay quietly and listened deep into the stillness. When the roosters crowed and their voices were muffled, the people stirred restlessly in their beds and wanted the morning. They knew it would take a long time for the dust to settle out of the air. In the morning, the dust hung like fog, and the sun was as red as ripe new blood. All day, the dust sifted down from the sky. The next day, it sifted down. An even blanket covered the earth. It settled on the corn, piled up on the tops of fence posts, piled up on the wires. It settled on roofs, blanketed the weeds and trees. The people came out of their houses and smelled the hot, stinging air and covered their noses from it. And the children came out of the houses, but they did not run or shout as they would have done after a rain. Men stood by their fences and looked at the ruined corn, drying fast now, only a little green showing through the film of dust. The men were silent, and they did not move often. The women came out of the houses to stand beside their men, to feel whether this time the men would break. The women studied the men's faces secretly, for the corn could go as long as something else remained. The children stood nearby, drawing figures in the dust with bare toes, and the children sent exploring senses out to see whether the men and women would break. The children peeked at the faces of the men and women, and then drew careful lines in the dust with their toes. Horses came to the watering troughs and nuzzled the water to clear the surface dust. After a while, the faces of the men lost their bemused perplexity and became hard and angry and resistant. The women knew that they were safe and that there was no break. Then they asked, What'll we do? And the men replied, I don't know. But it was all right. The women knew it was all right. And the watching children knew it was all right. Women and children knew deep in themselves that no misfortune was too great to bear if the men were whole. The women went into the houses to do their work, and the children began to play, but cautiously at first. As the day went forward, the sun became less red, 
it flared down on the dust-blanketed land. The men sat in the doorways of their houses. Their hands were busy with sticks and little rocks. The men sat still, thinking, figuring. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.